from so far away You pull me closer to love Good morning Closer to love Welcome to Conroe Bible Church we are uh, thrilled with the opportunity to worship Jesus together, and I want to say happy Mother's Day. I can't find my mom, so she must still be in the Adult Bible Fellowship, but mom, happy, happy Mother's Day. Um, and it's a complicated day, right? I, I get that. It's very hard on uh, people that have a lot of different issues. Uh, not everybody's mom was uh, like mine. Uh, not everybody's uh, experience as a mom or, the, or trying to be a mom has been the same. And uh, we just bring that up as a real church family. Uh, we're all imperfect. We all hurt. Uh, and uh, the Lord tells us to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. So we want to do that uh, today uh, on Mother's Day, and uh, we want to, above all, honor uh, God's word where he says to honor mother and father. So that is our uh, joy and our delight this morning. I'm going to start with prayer, and then we will stand and read scripture together. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for the privilege of being here this morning, we thank you for moms. Thank you that uh, they gave us life, literally. And we, uh, we choose to honor them today, uh, according to your word, not according to Hallmark. And we thank you that uh, you are in our lives and that you allow us to uh, grow through all the, the experiences of life. And we thank you most of all for giving us a family, a church family, to um, live out life together with and to weep together, to rejoice together. So we choose to do that today. And Jesus, we ask that you would uh, be powerful in your presence and allow us to experience your grace in a fresh way today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with us, and we're going to read uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 17 to 19, uh, together out loud. And then uh, the worship team will start us with the worship through song. So uh, let's begin. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Thank you.
heaven, you have won our victory. May we say that you are heart of our own heart, whatever befall. Still be our vision, O ruler of all. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Children, you are dismissed to Sunshine Kids Club. You can have a seat. There was a man in a Dollar Tree store that acted impulsively and foolishly last week. The store was in Mount Vernon, New York, and the man was caught shoplifting socks. A policeman by the name of Chris Cartwright showed up. The man quickly admitted to taking the socks and putting them in his backpack. And uh, he knew that the, he could face some fines or court fees or perhaps even jail time for this. The policeman thanked him for his honesty, patted him down for weapons, agreed with him that uh, socks are necessary if you're going to walk around all day in work boots, as this ho homeless man does. And then he gave him wisdom, wise words, straight from God's word. He said, do not steal. Taking him to the station was the only thing that remained. But this is where Chris Cartwright, the policeman, intervened on behalf of this man who had made a foolish choice. His actions were quick and his gifts were generous and his words were wise. He asked the man what preference color he had of socks. And then he went and purchased about a dozen pair for the man using his own money. The store agreed to not press charges and the man was free to go with his generous gifts. All because of the intercession of this policeman on behalf of this homeless man who he did not know. This wasn't one of the regulars that, that he knew about. But he took an action to intercede on his behalf and help him in his life, to see life a little more from society's perspective than from his own. Well, today we get to look at a woman who interceded on behalf of her husband, and intervened in the life of God's man. These two men were acting foolishly and impulsively. And as a result of their actions toward one another and their words for each other, there was going to be an awful lot of innocent blood shed in the next few days. But this woman got in between and she helped God's man see God's perspective on life. She helped him see how to live life from God's perspective and that made all the difference in the world. That turned him around and caused him to start doing what God asked him to do in the first place. The man's name is David. The woman's name is Abigail and her husband is Nabal. I invite you to turn with me to 1 Samuel 25, and, and whether you're a person who's in need of intervention this morning or a person who needs to intervene for someone else, I invite you to open your hearts with me and the rest of us to this biblical historical account of Abigail in 1 Samuel 25. We see that she wasted no time in her quick actions and she was generous with her gifts and she was wise with her words. I think her model of faith in trusting God will impact us. I think there will be something you and I can pick up from her life. But I think also her words and how she deals with David might help us as well. So we're going to look at 1 Samuel 25. We've got the collision of two fools who find godly relief. 
And I want to set the stage for you by just introducing them. David, of course, is God's anointed to be the next king. But Saul is the current king, and he hates David, and he wants him dead. Six times he has attempted to kill David. Six times David has eluded his murderous, jealous rampages and escaped. David has just been to pay his respects to Samuel, uh, the last of the judges who has just died. We learn that in verse 1. And David is now taking his men, his mighty men, 600 strong, into the wilderness. And they are living in an area that is near Nabal. This man who has 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He's the second main character in the story. Nabal is a wealthy man, a very wealthy man. And he is a harsh man in a hard land. He is a man whose name means fool in Hebrew. So we don't know if it's an actual name or just his nickname. But scripture des describes a fool as someone who is arrogant and unapproachable and hard-hearted. And Nabal lives up to his name. He is known for doing evil. That's one of the descriptors given to him in this passage. And indeed, as the words evil and good go back and forth, it's used more of him than anyone else. The third main character is Abigail. She is the wife of Nabal. And she is, when we first meet her in verse 3, she's described as beautiful and intelligent. She is a woman who is a confident woman of faith. And that gives her courage and grace and tact. It gives her the ability to pursue peace with others and to stand up in the midst of conflict and pursue what God wants in a situation. That's why I think we can learn a lot from her. Well, as the story opens in 1 Samuel 25, we have uh, Nabal's men with the 3,000 sheep shearing the sheep. It, it is sheep shearing time. And that meant that it was a festive time, a time of great feasting and a time of great wealth pouring in because you had these 3,000 sheep and then you could sell all the wool and there's a lot of money, there's a lot of rejoicing, there's a lot of partying. In fact, at the end of the chapter, we learned that Nabal partied like a king. There was so much wine and meat and wealth going around and 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 celebrations were natural at the sheep shearing time and at celebrations it was natural to share your feast with your neighbors that comes into play a little bit later so that's where Nabal is at David is in the nearby wilderness and David's group of men they have set up a protective wall intentionally on their part not at the request of Nabal but they have set up this wall to protect Nabal and his wealth his sheep his goats all of his herdsmen and so they have done this both night and day and and we see later in the chapter that the servants of Nabal agree with that in fact they state it when they're begging for Abigail's help in this situation and because of that David says okay I'm going to send 10 men and I want them to go see Nabal our neighbor and, and here's what I want you to do first I want you to go in my name go in David's name your leader and I want you to bless Nabal and, and, and tell him that you hope he has a long life and that all of his land and, and all of his people and all of his things he owns, all the sheep and the goats and everything else, that, that it continues to prosper. I want you to bless him that way. And I want you to congratulate him on his successes. This is a huge time. It's a, a joyous time. And, and I, I want you to just inform him that we have been there for them. We have protected them. And, and then just as a courtesy request that they send some food our way for these uh, 600 men living in the, the wilderness, which is essentially a desert. And uh, it's not a shakedown. 
It's just something that's a reasonable courtesy for the actions they have taken and a natural thing to do at a feasting time with your neighbor to share your food. So these 10 men go to Nabal and uh, Nabal responds. I, I don't know how you think he would respond, but he responds with utter contempt. You may have guessed that for, because of the nickname fool. So David, or Nabal responds to him. He says, who is David? <laughs> who is the son of Jesse? You know who David is? He is a runaway servant. So we get a little clue here that uh, Nabal is kind of a political loyalist. He recognizes that Saul is on the throne right now, and he's going to protect himself and just call David as a runaway you have run away from Saul. You're not serving him any longer. In fact, you're, you're just a rebel. You're probably trying to kill him. And so that is how Nabal handles the situation. And, uh, and the 10 men, it says, retrace their steps back to David. Um, and I'm sure they know what's coming <laughs> because they tell David what's going on. And David is ticked off. He responds with great anger. And he is going to get revenge. In fact, he's got 600 men. So he's going to say, I want 200 of you here just to stay and protect our supplies, our goods. But 400 of you, grab your swords. We're going to go see Nabal. And we're going to kill every man in his household. And given the number of family members he had and given the number of herdsmen that he had and servants, there's going to be a lot of people. But he is ticked off. If it's true that everyone carries around a reservoir of anger, David's is bursting at the dam. And he snaps. And he gets his men that he knows the abilities they have as warriors. And he says, we're going into battle with somebody that can't even fight back. And what's happening here is David is in danger of forgetting his calling, destroying his soul, and turning his back on God. Because God doesn't want him to take vengeance. God doesn't want him to shed innocent blood. Has he been wronged? Certainly. And it's fair to get angry about insults. But to march in and kill everybody, that's not right. And this is where we want to hit the pause button and just notice the, the fickle faith and obedience of David, if you will, because I think there's direct parallels in our own lives. You may disagree, and I hope it's not true in your life. But a lot of us are this way, right? David, just in the chapter before, verse, or chapter 24, he had an encounter with Saul. Now, I told you that Saul had been chasing him around six times, had tried to kill him, and, and six times David had eluded Saul. Well, David and his, his men were hiding out in a cave near En Gedi, near the springs. And it just happened to be a cave that Saul came into to use the bathroom. And so immediately all of David's men say, hey, we got him. Let's end all this right now. Let's kill him. And David says, no, we're not going to do that. He's God's anointed. We're not going to do that to him. David does sneak down and he cuts off a portion of Saul's robe. And as Saul is leaving the cave, David steps out and lets him know that they were there and that he's a good guy. Look, I've got part of your robe. I could have taken you out right then, but I didn't. Because you are God's man right now. I am God's man in the future. So David knew how to react, even when somebody was pursuing him to kill him, to take his life. But Nabal insults him, and he goes off the deep end. David is clear that Saul is God's anointed. And so David will not bring him harm, but Nabal is there. He hasn't tried to kill David. He's just insulted David. He refused him food, even though there was no agreement in place for protection. And even though it's an unwritten rule that we share our feast with those around us, David had good reason to be angry, but he had no right to seek revenge. Uh, 
the anger of David has escalated here. And it's escalated because of his sense of entitlement. He has protected Nabal. Even the slave, the servant will say, they protected us day and night. We were free to do what we needed to do. And here's the bottom line. David refuses to trust God here. He refuses to trust God that God will still supply provision for his men, food, water. He refuses to trust God that God will reward him for the work that he has done in protecting Nabal. He wants to take matters into his own hands, and he wants to take revenge. He is hot-headed in this moment, and he's going to act on his own to take out Nabal. How often do we find ourselves with the same sense of entitlement? We want to be rewarded now for the good we have done, which in our perception is always far greater than it is for others sometimes. And when our needs are met, then we tend to get a little frustrated, even angry at times. David thinks he deserves a reward, but he really doesn't care about that anymore. He's just going to handle his situation the way he wants to. So we go back to the story. David is heading toward Nabal's encampment, a few miles away. Nabal's servants have heard this exchange with David's 10 men and seen their reaction. And somehow they have word, I guess through men in the field, of what's taking place. And so one of them goes to Abigail because he says, literally, your husband won't listen to anybody. He's living up to his name. You, you have wisdom. You will consider what to do. I love that phrase. It's just one more trait, character trait that she has, discernment and wisdom. And so he says, you figure out what to do. These guys protected us, and we were free and easy. We were never disturbed by wild animals, never disturbed by foreign invaders, all we had to do is watch the animals. We've never had it so easy. Please take action or we're all going to die. Well, Nabal's insulted David. David's got off the deep end. He's impulsive and, and, and foolish. And so Abigail moves quickly. She moves quickly here. In fact, depending on your translation, it says something like she wasted no time. Four times in this brief story of Abigail, it describes her that way. She wasted no time. She hurried. She was quick to take action. And that's what she does here. She doesn't delay. She doesn't freeze up and, and wait for someone else to do it. She doesn't try to remember a time when she was close to God so that she could talk to him now. She grabs food from the feast that is already prepared, throws it on some donkeys, and has her servants begin to head to meet David, to head him off. She walks with God. The New Testament terminology we would use came up in ABF this morning, abide. She is walking with God. She is a confident woman because she's a woman of faith. And she is able to just take action because she's walking with God. She knows that she's committed to do his will. She knows that he is leading her and guiding her. And so she prepares to go see David. David leads his 400 men around a mountain. They're all armed. And I, I love this. He, he continues to mutter to himself, I'm going to kill them all. No one's going to be alive tomorrow. They're all dead. Scripture tells us he's still talking to himself and anybody else who will listen. I'm sure at this point his men are giving him a little space because you don't want to anger the boss, the lead warrior, when he's on the warpath. He makes an oath. Everyone will be dead by the morning. He's playing the fool himself. 
only God in his sovereign goodness could arrange it so that these two meet coming around the mountain. David's coming around one way, Abigail's coming around the other way, and they see each other. They meet. And Abigail, wasting no time, gets off her donkey, throws herself on the ground, and bows before David. She has a humble posture before him. And she wants to reach out to him. She wants to reach him. David could see the animals loaded with food. He could see Abigail down on the, the ground before him, beginning to plead with him. Fourteen times in this short story, she's going to use the terms, my Lord, Speaking of him as her master, she wants to show submission to him in this situation because she is one with her husband and her husband was wrong. But she also wants to show submission to David because she knows he is David's he is God's anointed. That comes out more than once in this conversation. So David looks at her. And he sees what is going on. Six times, she's going to call him directly. She's going to call herself his maid servant. She is a confident woman of faith, and that allows her to tactfully and graciously approach David, even in the midst of his raging anger that has been building ever since he got word of what Nabal said, and the adrenaline is pumping as they get closer. She's a confident woman of faith. She's also a confident woman of courage. She didn't feel safe around David. In fact, I think that the dust from the 400 men traveling had, had barely begun to settle before she's pleading with David. She didn't feel safe with him, but she was committed to intervening because she knew it was right, because she knew this is what God wanted her to do, and because, as a confident woman of faith who walked with God, she had the strength and the courage to speak up, to confront David, to do what God was calling her to do. She was courageous. She's a confident woman willing to intercede on behalf of her husband, Nabal. And so she asked David right off the bat, please put all the blame on me. I'm the one you see. I'm the one that's with you. Please forget everything that has gone on. We were wrong. Please accept. Please forgive. Those are words that she uses in this encounter with David. She is attempting to protect Nabal, her husband, and all the men in her family and household from David's wrath. She even goes on to say, you know, my husband is living up to his name. She's saying, my husband has acted foolishly. He's playing the fool. Now, Scholars have, have toyed with this, and they don't know if that's just injecting humor into the situation, a little comic relief, or if that is, uh, you know, a form of disloyalty. Most say, no, it can't be that. What it could be is she's reminding David of the time that he was in Gath, and he feigned being a lunatic so that the king wouldn't kill him and the king got rid of him all of us play the fool at one time or another david in fact there's a subtle a subtle little injection here of your playing the fool david but she admits that her husband has made a foolish cho foolish choice and she's there to intercede as a confident woman of faith, she intercedes on her husband. She also is willing to intervene on behalf of David. 
And more than anything else, as I said in the introduction, she is here to help him see life from God's perspective. That's what has happened. David has turned his back on God and he's destroying himself even as he destroys others or seeks to destroy them. Abigail has been sent by God to help David see life from his perspective. She's been quick in her actions, generous with her gifts to feast on, and she's going to be wise with her words here. And the key question is this, will David hear what God has to say through her? So we've seen Abigail as a model for us, whether it's in conflict, pursuing peace, or intervening with someone who has gone off the deep end, or interceding for someone who is struggling as the imperfect people we all are. And now we get some wise words for her. We're going to get three lessons that she's going to give to David, God's anointed, as she seeks to spare her foolish husband. And we'll see those in, in verses 26 to 31. The first lesson is this, live up to your calling by doing God's will. Don't turn your back on God, David. Remain obedient. Remain faithful. Do what God wants to do. Have you even talked to God about this? This is what she says in verse 26. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as my and as your soul lives, since the Lord has restrained you from shedding blood, she's anticipating God's goodness here, anticipating that God will restrain David from this because of the wisdom of God's word. And from avenging yourself by your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek evil against you, my Lord, be as Nabal. In other words, let them be ineffective. Let them be foolish in what they choose to do and totally ineffective against you. The Lord has bigger and better things for you. And then she goes further to remind David of God's promise for an enduring house. Verse 28, please forgive the transgression of your maidservant. For the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house. This is a reference to David's kingdom that will be eternal. It comes up in 2 Samuel 7. So obviously the Lord is with her, has given her, these, given her these words. But she knows even from Samuel and his anointing of David that this is coming. Because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord and evil will not be found on you in all your days. God has a way of doing things and in his providence he sent Abigail to intervene in David's foolishness. Remember his calling on your life. You are going to be king of Israel. Grant forgiveness for a fool. Follow the Lord's leading. What does his word tell us to do in these situations? Not to take vengeance, but to forgive. Do his will. Do not return evil for evil. Live up to your calling. Abigail is using the truth of God's word as she speaks to David. And that's got to begin to pull at his heartstrings as God works on him. So the first lesson that we see is that we've got to live up to our calling when we want to go off the deep end and do God's will. Be able to pursue peace, to forgive. The second lesson is very close to it. God is the avenger of the wicked. Here's what Abigail said in verse 29. Should anyone rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, then the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will sling out as from the hollow of a sling. Abigail is referring to Saul's pursuit of David here and reaffirms that God will keep him safe in the bundle of the living. This is... Shepherd language, they carried two bundles. One was a little bundle of valuable items that they took with them everywhere. And one was a bundle of stones. So, you know, David filled his with five stones when he met Goliath. He used one to sling it out. So she's reminding David that you, as God's anointed, are valuable to God. He has put you in his bundle. He is protecting you. 
He will see you through. You don't need to take revenge. You don't need to go on the warpath. Treat Nabal as you have treated Saul. Do God's will here. And then she's essentially saying what Moses said in Deuteronomy 32 and Paul repeated in, in Romans 12. Don't take vengeance. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. And so when she says that, that, that God will, you see how she said it here, sling out as from the hollow of a sling the lives of your enemies, that means he's going to take those stones and, and he's going to kill off your enemies. He will take his revenge in whatever way he deems necessary on them. And it will be just. It will be just right, not too much, not too little. Because God is perfect. He knows what to do here. So he will bring judgment in due time. Let God take the vengeance. She's being used of God to remind David to see life from God's perspective. This was all in God's word. David knew these words. And so she's saying them. He's hearing them. But I think he's hearing from God as she speaks. The third lesson is you will never regret it later. You will never regret it later. She says this in verses 30 and 31. And when the Lord does for my Lord, according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and appoints you ruler over Israel, this will not cause grief or a troubled heart to my Lord, both by having shed blood without cause, shedding innocent blood, and by my Lord having avenged himself, breaking God's words, sinning against God. When the Lord deals well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant, she says. She's reminding David that he doesn't want to be in the position as God's anointed ruler over all of Israel and have this in his past. He doesn't want to carry guilt and shame from shedding innocent blood just because he got hot-headed, just because he could, just because he was powerful enough and big enough. So she reminds him, the fourth person in 1 Samuel, to remind him that he will be ruler over Israel. The first one was Samuel. The second one was Jonathan, Saul's son. And the third one was Saul himself back in chapter 24. Here, Abigail reminds him. So again, there is this constant drumbeat that you are God's anointed. Live like it. We are God's chosen. We've been adopted into the family. We've been declared righteous. And so God pulls at our heartstrings the same way. Live like it. Abide in Christ. Choose righteousness. In God's grand scheme, Nabal is not going to matter, David. What will matter is whether or not your hands are clean. Revenge feels real good right now but it's not going to feel good later. David, Nabal, any of us cannot win by trying to get even. Just think of all the tragedies that could have been avoided if people didn't try to get even, didn't try to get their own revenge. All the relationships that could be healed. All the conflicts that could have been avoided or reconciled. And yet we understand what David's going through and what Abigail is speaking to because we can slip into that at any moment of selfishness and self-centeredness. Many of us have done things in anger and wished we could take them back. Well, Abigail has shown herself to be a confident woman of faith. And this confidence in the Lord God has given her courage when it mattered most. Think of it again, an unarmed woman facing David, future king of Israel, 400 armed men with him in the desert. She simply relied on the Lord for strength and for guidance and for wisdom. She used biblical principles to get David's attention. She spoke truth with grace to speak into his life and get his attention, to try and point him to life from God's perspective. And the question is, will he respond? Well, that's what we get to see in verses 32 to 35. I think David heard the Lord behind Abigail's 
words. He blessed her and he granted her request. This is what we see. David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed be your discernment. There's that wisdom, knowing what to do. And blessed be you who have kept me this day from bloodshed and from avenging myself by my own hands. Nevertheless, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from harming you, unless you had come quickly to meet me, surely there would not have been left to Nabal until the morning light as much as one male. Verse 35, so David received from her hand what she had brought to him and said to her, go up to your house in peace. See, I have listened to you and granted your request. David heard her words. He heard her words as if the Lord himself was speaking to her, speaking through her. And he was, right? Because she was speaking biblical truth. She was bringing to mind for David. She's a confident woman of faith who's willing to intercede on behalf of her husband and intervene on behalf of God's man. Essentially, she's told David, you know, there's already one fool in this story. Isn't that enough? Turn to God, David. Trust him. Pursue peace with all men. Recognize his calling on your life. Let him take vengeance if it is necessary. And so David blesses her. He recognizes her wisdom and he blesses the Lord most of all because he has used Abigail to speak to him and get his attention. As we heard in the introduction, empathy won the day and nothing escalated into unruly language and assault. Chris Cartwright had to help the homeless man see from society's perspective how to live and that it was wrong to steal from this store. He brought the lesson and intervened on behalf of this man. In 1 Samuel 25, Abigail intervened on behalf of David and she did it so that he would see life from God's perspective. That's what we need when we walk by faith with God. That's what we need when we are experiencing anger and frustration and conflict. And that's what we need when we are trying to deal with those who are going through all those experiences. Perhaps Abigail's story, her life model and her words have ministered to you today in some form or fashion with whatever you are experiencing. Or perhaps they've prompted you to now intercede for someone or to intervene with someone. Perhaps they've prompted you to seek out help. Abigail was a confident woman of faith, a woman who interceded. She was a courageous woman. And it was all because she was just walking with God. And so if you want to be an Abigail, whether you're male or female, just be yourself in Jesus. Walk with him and allow his wisdom, his powerful strength, his grace, and his truth to guide you in your relationships as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're always tugging at our hearts through the Holy Spirit, and you lead us, you guide us, and you offer life from your perspective, moment by moment. And we confess that we are weak and struggling people. And that we often just want to sort things out for ourselves. We want to handle things the way that we think we can handle quickly and best, just like David. And we thank you that you are ready to intervene. We pray for grace to hear from you when you do intervene and when you intercede on our behalf. We ask for strength and courage and a confident faith to be able to address others in their time of need as well. And most of all, we all want the ability to live life from your perspective because we know that is life abundant indeed. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
guys for being with us this week. Have a good, have a good day. And happy Mother's Day. That too. <laughs>